clock moving inside of 20. First and 10, Kansas City now from the Tennessee 14. Straight to the line they go. They snap it with 10 seconds left. Smith has it. Looks. Pumps once. Throws. Enzo caught at the two. In for the score. Demarcus Robinson. 14 yards. Smith to Robinson. And the Chiefs tack on another touchdown. Well, I was just about to get, I was just about to get mad at Demarcus Robinson about not getting out of bounds on the previous play. He had the ball angling towards the sideline. He cuts it back inside, gets an additional two yards, but two yards isn't enough when you can stop the clock and save the timeout. Instead, Andy Reid tells the Chiefs to get to the line, try and get a snap, try and get a play in, and not use the timeout. Alex Smith does a pump fake to the flat, to the left flat for Kareem Hunt. And then he hits, in the cover two scheme, he hits Demarcus Robinson up the left sideline, puts it on his body so he can cut to the inside. Bayard misses the tackle, touchdown. Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips. Getting you... Yes, you... In the game. Will Gavin and Matthew Sherry live-ish. I guess it's never live when it's pre-recorded, but we're down <laughs> it, here. It really is. It's not <laughs> even live-ish. <laughs> it, it's never live. It's <laughs> it literally never live. Uh, from Radio Row uh, on the Wednesday, day three of being here in Minneapolis. You can hear that it's taking the toll on our voices already. The touchdown trip guys actually get out here on Friday, I think, so uh, we'll need to keep a little bit in the locker until then. Uh, we've got a cracking show for you today. Uh, we're going to be hearing from Five time. I said five time. Five. Super Bowl winner Charles Haley. He's got one for the thumb. Uh, we've got, in fact, we've got two uh, interviews. Charles Haley and then Terrell Davis, former Super Bowl MVP, two-time MVP winner. The and a, only man. Yeah, well, this is what I was going to say. So we've got, <laughs> we've got two men on who are desperate for certain outcomes this coming weekend <laughs> to go their way so that they retain a record as, uh, as uh, Terrell Davis for his touchdown record and being a Super Bowl MVP running back and the same for Charles Haley and Tom Brady not surpassing the five Super Bowls. Uh, we'll get into that with them. Demarcus Ware joins us back on the show after we spoke to him back last month when he was over in the UK. Peter King helps us break down this weekend's games and the big news. Of course, the big news, the Alex Smith to Washington trade. We'll get into that. Uh, and Ricardo Loquette was just a really fun interview. Really, he was really great. great. He was great. Former, An all-time, all-timer on the interview front, I think. Former Seahawk, former, uh, uh, former, uh, former uh, San Francisco 49er, been to three Super Bowls, lost two of them from the one-yard line. So we talk about exactly how you go with the game week, how you, how you approach the game week with those guys. I, genuinely, a show I'm very excited about. Um, before we get to the Alex Smith news, let's talk about uh, the reason why it's just my voice and your voice on this podcast. <laughs> let's. <laughs> um, we're not going to go into full details. Maybe one day, if you buy us a beer, we'll get on it and uh, uh, and we'll really reveal all to you. Um, but yeah, we've uh, we we there was a night out last night. There was uh, the media party. We went to Margaritaville for some cheap drinks with the engineer guys from ESPN, who we've become very friendly with over the years. <laughs> Unbelievably friendly. Ryan and Darren, great guys, absolutely great guys. Uh, they basically helped get us online at all times, and uh, yeah, we've been working with them so. Big fans of uh, of everything they do, and uh, yeah, we uh, <laughs> just had a bit of a big night. That's all. <laughs> and it took it took a bigger toll on one member of the team than, than the, the rest. Than the others. Um, 
we the, the media party was here on Radio Row in Minneapolis, uh, where there is a theme park, and it is a literal theme park in the middle of the Mall of America. It's ridiculous. There are at least three rides which are genuinely outdoor theme park worthy, yeah. properly high quality roller coasters. Uh, what they've managed to do is um, make up for the obvious space problems by creating these brilliantly crafted roller coasters, having the well like they have sharp dips and turns, and they really. They make full use of a, of a fairly s- small amount of space to create what is a fantastic mini theme park. I've just got to do one thing, because I'm about to do a hit on uh, TalkSport, so I've got to check to make sure that, they, that we can hear them down the line. So I'm just going to plug it into there. Oh, yep. That is, that is clearly a caller on TalkSport. Pat D'Angelo, are you there? Hello? I'm very well, mate. I'm very well. Welcome to the Gridiron Show. Uh, you are currently on our podcast, mate, because we're recording that until I come on air. That's the right answer. I can hear you down the line, buddy. I'll speak to you in about 20 minutes. <laughs> Pat D'Angelo, he's a great guy. He sounds it. So and now they're going to have to listen to our podcast while we talk about what a mess Ollie was. Oh, <laughs> spoiler alert. Um, so we were already uh, a bit on the tipsy side when we headed into the media party. We were, uh, we were, we were seven cocktails, Steve. Yeah, we, we were on the tipsy side, like I said. And, um, yeah, we, we, we headed out. We did some of the rides. They were great. There were some, some I was going to say exotic dancers. I don't mean like that. But there were some dancers. There was great food. There was just all sorts going on. And there were a lot of good people. And there were some live bands. And it was a really good time being had by all. Some very, very strong vodka cranberry juices which may be the thing that uh, killed tipped, off tipped. A, a certain young man over the edge uh, the party all kind of shut down about 10 30 slightly early doors but all the rides kind of shut down then everyone moved on we had a, an agreement with the bar staff in margaritaville that if we got back there before midnight they'd uh, keep serving us beyond midnight we lost ollie at that point he decided to run off and go and uh, ride on the log flume by himself we then didn't see ollie for the next four hours uh until we found him Back at our hotel, but not in the hotel lobby, uh, in the second hotel lobby, up the stairs, fast asleep, having got me and Matt Sherry into a bit of a panic that he'd gone missing. He'd just, he'd just gone back to the hotel by himself and fallen asleep in the lobby. Uh, doesn't re- really remember any of it. Had to get him up to the room between the two of us. Uh, yeah, it was all a little bit of a messy evening for the, for the poor young that's man. That's about as much of the story as we could tell you. There are some other details that <laughs> if you buy us the right drinks one time, we'll happily remain. <laughs> <laughs> I just never, never share them on social media. And then today we had a couple of guests on Radio Row. We spoke with Jermichael Finley, obviously Ollie Big Fan, Green Bay Packer. That was a great guest. That's one of those ones we'll roll out probably after the Super Bowl. Yep. Uh, and we also spoke with Erin Coscarelli, uh, who does uh, the Twitter stuff for, uh, hosts the Twitter yep. coverage uh, on NFL.com and does it on NFL uh, Network and does a couple of network shows as well. She she is Ollie's absolute favourite. Ollie is a tiny bit in love with her, to the point where if you head to at Will Gav on Twitter, <laughs> you can see I revealed during our interview that Ollie had uh, Ollie had basically uh, imbibed and not ended up making it in to meet his favourite NFL Network host, uh, and she decided that we had to record a video message to him, which we did, and uh, I'm reliably informed he's pretty devastated about the whole thing. Poor Ollie. I have no Poor Ollie. Poor Ollie, another drink. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Very well done. Um, right, so let's, uh, let's talk about the big news, because this happened. What was really weird about last night is at about 8.30 local time here in Minneapolis, 
we were milling around, chatting to some people. Darren, who actually happens to be a Kansas City Chiefs fan from ESPN, had found us inside the party and we were having a couple of drinks, etc. Um, and he just looked up from his phone and just went, Alex Smith has been traded to Washington. Immediately, cue six journalists pulling their phones out of their pockets, getting on the media Wi-Fi. It was like a stampede. The number yeah, of was, the yeah. journalists were from all of the little separate bars around it, from off the rides, were all kind of coming out, heading straight back up to Radio Row to dial into their respective radio stations to do some work. It was, uh, it, it was, it was madness. It was, why are you doing this on Super Bowl week? I mean, really, <laughs> like we like we needed more news. So he's been traded for a third round pick and Kendall Fuller. I'd say the number one, one. of one of the ascending young cornerbacks in the NFL. He's the number one corner in Washington, oh, and yeah. and he is moving towards, as Simon Clancy put it, he's moving into that top tier of corners with his play this year. He's a great player, and they've brought in a quarterback who basically has a lower ceiling than Kirk Cousins, arguably a higher floor, and he's four years older. And, and also, as uh, we'll play the audio in a second from Peter King, but. As he said, and he's absolutely spot on, they're effectively the same quarterback in yeah. that they can put up certain numbers, they're very functional over the season, but in the biggest games, the biggest moments, outside of the one game you mentioned, San Francisco and New Orleans, which gets airbrushed from Alex Smith's history slightly It's an all-time great. Opinion. And I know I'm um, a 49ers fan pushing that agenda, but... No, it was great. That's I mean, one of the best playoff games of the last and 10 And also years. one of the greatest player calls ever with the um, with the rollout touchdown run. But oh. outside of that, these are guys who just don't perform in the biggest games. And I mean, as, as, as much as I quite like Kirk Cousins, that game in McVeigh's last season a couple of years ago where the playoffs were on the line, and he just blew it, didn't he? He absolutely blew it a couple of seasons ago. And that resonates with me. But I could say the same about many Alex Smith games, including regardless of whether they lost Travis Kelsey, who was also milling about here today. They should have beat Tennessee in the wildcard round this year. So it's it's one of the oddest moves that I could remember, to be honest. That it was it was but there, we have had a Washington man get in touch and tweet us and say that they really like the move. I kind of I'd like to hear more and hear what they liked about it in particular, because I'm not a big fan He's of it at all. The Kendall Fuller moving thing is a problem for me. Because we were debating when it first came out there was no information about the compensation. That kind of leaked out over the next couple of hours. But I genuinely with the Kendall Fuller thing. When we first heard it, we were debating what it was. And I said I thought a second and then a late, like a sixth or something like that. Uh, Ollie thought they might have got a first out of them, um, but I, I thought that was too rich. A third and Kendall Fuller is ridiculous. Yeah, it's crazy. Ke- Kendall Fuller is someone who, with your first round pick, you will not get a corner that good ready to play in the NFL. No, no chance. I mean, it's, it's, and it's, it just, to me, the whole move makes absolutely no sense. And, 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 one of the things I meant to say to Peter King earlier when we were talking to him is Washington have clearly decided that Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback but they they don't think he is a great quarterback who could lead them where they want to go. To get rid of a guy like that I think is really brave, incredibly brave, very admirable. To then sign Alex Smith, the same guy, just throws all that out of the window. And to give up, as you say, a young a young budding superstar in probably one of the three to four most important positions in the NFL. It's just, it's about the most senseless trade I think I've ever seen. We're going to get Peter King's thoughts on this, but I have to say that I, I think that um, there is, that, and we're seeing Travis Kelsey's literally at NFL All Access downtown at the moment, ch- chatting to them on the TV. You can see it over there. Actually, 
really interestingly, both Alex Smith and Kirk Cousins were here in Minneapolis yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. And, and apparently Alex Smith here on Radio Row, somebody saw him, was on the phone over near Shake Shack behind us for a solid, like, 20, 25 minutes and then left and cancelled a bunch of other media appearances. Yeah. He essentially found out he was being traded about 25 yards from where we're sat right now. <laughs> and, and being and the great journalist we are. We, <laughs> we were probably playing mini-golf at that point. <laughs> oh, God. You're not wrong. But the thing is, I think one thing I do want to emphasise to the listeners who are probably thinking, why are these people in Minnesota just messing around is... Today is why we're here, isn't it, Will? We've had an oh. amazing day. Oh. We must have interviewed 20 people over the day. And that's this year. We're at a, at a very nice point where we're getting offered better guests and stuff, where we've been a lot more selective. But, I mean, we've been here now for 12 hours. It's been an incredible day. And the first two days are kind of the easing days. So that's, that's the reason. I'm going to tell you some of the people we've got tomorrow. We've got Jordan Palmer draft quarterback guru who's been working with both Sam Darnold and Josh Allen for this draft we're going to be speaking with Nate Boyer obviously involved in the Colin Kaepernick situation yep. former snapper for the uh, Seahawks we're going to be speaking with Mark Wilf the owner of the Vikings Who's and Rick Spielman, the general us. manager of the Vikings. We're going to be speaking with Takeo Spikes. We'll be speaking with uh, we're going to be speaking with Colin Wolf, which I'm very excited about. Uh, Jamon Bushrod, Maurice, Maurice Jones, Drew, and those are just the ones we've already got booked in. That's before everything else goes yeah. down. It's it, it's so much so much great stuff that we can do here. And I'm sorry that we didn't get Alex Smith. I do apologise. Travis Kelsey and Groom Hunt were both here today. They had a nice little moment outside our table. Um, so yeah, I. Before we get to Peter King, what we'll do is we'll finish up here and we'll send you off to all the interviews. It'll be Peter King and then you'll get a chance to hear from oh, basically the order we had them today. So DeMarcus Ware, Charles Haley, Terrell Davis, Ricardo Lockett. Um, it's just Lockett, mate. Lockett. I, don't, I keep saying Lockett, don't yeah. I? It's because of the way, the way it's spelt. It, just, it feels like yeah, that's how it should be. be. Yeah. Um, how, uh, where, where do you think Kirk Cousins lands? Denver, and I've thought that for a while. Um, I mean, Peter King was was pretty adamant. He thinks the Jets are favourites, and certainly I think that's massively on the table. They've got the cap room to do it. Having spent that time around Cousins last year for the NFL, when he was over with with Neil and the crew for the NFL UK Live, I do get the impression that he is a guy who wants to win championships, and I think Denver gives him a chance to do that. And let's be honest, the guy has made more than enough money over the last couple of years to be able to even maybe take a slight discounted deal for the best possible situation. I don't think he's going to have to take a discounted deal. No, he's though. not. I mean, Denver are going to have to pony up as a Jacksonville if they were interested or, you know, any of those other teams who we think are potentially just a quarterback away. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting one, but I think Denver would be my favourite right now. So let's um, let's head down to Peter King. There are a bunch of other interviews coming up. I hope you enjoy them as much as we did doing them today. Don't forget, as always, check out Ben Mortimer at Touchdown Trips. What a guy. Uh, and uh, he does travel for all the other major US sports as well and, and has some great packages there and available for you. Uh, you can hit us up uh, at Gridiron on Twitter, at UK Gridiron on, uh, on Instagram. We've been doing Instagram stories. We've been doing live videos. Although <laughs> the live video of DeMarcus Ware you won't be able to find on Twitter. Because unfortunately, somebody, and I won't say who, it was me, uh, <laughs> set up our little tripod right here next to me, giving a little tap on the top there, put the camera in place, DeMarcus Ware came and sat down, looked at the camera, pressed start broadcasting, must have accidentally double tapped it, because we then broadcast a 10 minute long interview, all of the audio was perfect, the audio sounded great, 
But all you saw was a view of the Shake Shack and the big crowd behind us. That was it. Ridiculous. So uh, I deleted it out of embarrassment. And um, now you're going to hear it anyway. There we go. Uh, so thank you for listening and enjoy these and uh, keep getting in touch. And we'll have lots more content from here at the Super Bowl over the next few days, including as we build up to and do our Super Bowl preview show. You're listening to The Gridiron Show. And here is Peter King. The morning on Radio Row has just been ridiculous this morning after we basically did nothing on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, we played many golf. What's been happening today? What happened? Uh, who have we had already this morning? We've had uh, we've had Mike Haynes, we've had Tony Baselli, Ross Tucker, Ware. Uh, Demarcus Ware. Uh, so it's it's been it's been all right. We've had, we've had a few a few people on, uh, but Good. I was very excited to get Peter King on joining us now from the MMQB.com and his podcast, which you can find there as well. Uh, Peter, how are you doing, sir? Doing well, Will. How about you? Yeah, I can't complain. Good can't to complain. be on with you guys. How are you enjoying the uh, Minneapolis Super Bowl experience so far? It's all good. I always say at Super Bowls that if, uh, you know, America is going to turn on the game at 6.30 Eastern time on Sunday, and they'll turn on the game, I guess, in London about 11.30 Eastern time Sunday night. They'll tune into the TalkSport radio, obviously. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, there won't be a soul who turns on the TV who gives a flying crap whether the sports writers were too cold during the week. So <laughs> I've learned a long time ago that it's all wonderful. Let me ask you, Peter, what you were doing last night at about 8.30, 9pm, when we were at the media party enjoying ourselves a little too much, uh, and the news suddenly breaks that Alex Smith is, as of the start of the new season, not going to be a Kansas City Chief anymore, but he's going to be playing his football in Washington. Well, um, yeah, I actually was in the middle of writing uh, my column, my uh, regular Wednesday column. I was sitting in a restaurant right here at the Mall of America in Minneapolis. And so I was in the middle of writing my column, and I said, well, I'm now going to write a different column. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I think overall, especially for people who follow this sport closely, is the people who listen to you guys because I... You know, I was over there last spring, and, you know, uh, I, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. In, in, in Great Britain, honestly, so much more than anybody in the United States really knows about how much they love football. But as people will know about this, I mean, Alex Smith and Kirk Cousins, in essence, who were tied at the hip in this trade, Alex Smith essentially uh, is, a, is a very good quarterback but has never responded down the stretch of seasons. He's never been great in January when you have to be great to win championships. And the Kansas City Chiefs showed what they thought of Alex Smith last April when they traded two first-round picks and a third-round pick to get move into position to take Pat Mahomes. From that point on, you knew it was only a matter of time before this day would come and Alex Smith wouldn't be on the team anymore. We, we, we obviously spent that time with, with Kirk Cousins in the offseason, Peter. And, I mean, I was really impressed with what an intelligent guy he is, a yeah. real thinker about the game. I mean, where does this, where does this leave him now? I mean, do you, do you think this was kind of an inevitable exit for him anywhere? I don't know that it was inevitable, uh, Matthew. I, I am... Uh, I like Kirk Cousins very much as a guy, and I don't know what he's going to be long-term as a quarterback. He's, he's played very well at times with, with Washington, but 
I also think that he falls a little bit in the same category. He's like he's been so far a younger Alex Smith. And so Washington basically felt like, okay, if we're going to pay a quarterback $28 million a year, he's got to be, we have to have faith that he's going to win a Super Bowl for us. And I think uh, the the people who run that team just didn't think that, uh, they think he might, but they were not convinced that he could be a championship quarterback. I think the, the thing that about what you were saying about Alex Smith, the idea that he doesn't play well through in, into January, is he's obviously had performances like that, but he's also had performances like against the New Orleans Saints in the in the 2011 playoffs, like the performance against the Colts three years ago for for the Chiefs, and he's he's had it in there. But I just I look at Washington, and it's not just the getting older at quarterback, it's not just the losing picks, but also losing a young corner who was really looking like he was going to move into the top tier of, of, of defensive backs in the league. And I can't find where, other than a monetary perspective, where they've won anything within this trade. The only thing they won is that they now know for the next five years they're going to have a quarterback who's going to be a competitive player. Is he going to be a championship player? I have my doubts. And that's what they won in this trade. But they gave up an awful lot, including giving up four years of age. You know, Alex Smith is four years older, so probably, probably in about 2020, Washington's going to be looking for a quarterback in the future. And, I, I mean, I, I don't like the trade for Washington at all. I understand why they did it, and they're going to be competitive now having Alex Smith. He's a good quarterback, but, uh, you know, he's going to be 34 years old at the start of the season, and the next huge game he wins will be his first one um i'm interested in what both of you think of this because of because of kirk cousins and the time you spent with him last summer but there's we've had a lot of debate about where he now could end up landing and, and is it going to be the browns have immediately jumped out because they would be willing to spend maybe the most money the broncos could he go there and be immediately competitive could the jags cut blake bortles and make the cap space there are so many options do you think he's someone who is going to go now and, and think about the winnings perspective going to somewhere like Denver maybe for less money and, and with the potential of winning a ring or know that if he goes to Cleveland it's going to be a massive project on his hands well I mean I think Kirk Cousins one of the things he and his agent Mike McCartney have to do is they have to read the future because it's easy to sit here and say why in the world would you ever go to Cleveland but you know, they've now got a really good young general manager in John Dorsey uh, who did a good job drafting and building a team with Andy Reid in Kansas City. And in my opinion, uh, I think Cleveland is sort of the, the hidden team in this derby. I, and I don't even mean hidden. I just mean a lot of people are going to say automatically, why in the world would you go to Cleveland? But I think Cleveland is a very interesting prospect for this for this uh, in these in this derby now here's the other in my opinion the most logical place for him to go is the Jets they've got 72 million dollars in cap room they have an offensive coordinator just named Jeremy Bates who is very much in line with the teaching of Kyle Shanahan who used to coach uh, uh, Kirk Cousins and Sean McVay who used to coach Kirk Cousins and so to be able to kind of run the same offense and to be able to go to a team that uh, that you basically are 
that you're basically saying there's a comfort level here and you're going to make $25 million a year or whatever it is. In my opinion, it's the leader in the clubhouse right now would be the New York Jets, I think. And we, we, we would be remiss on this week not to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you see the game the game shaking out a lot of things I've heard this week is how it's offensive line defensive line of the Eagles and it's suggested they have that advantage do you see it like that because I, I personally think the Patriots D line is being a little bit underrated at the moment my thing look quarterback is one of the hugely misleading and difficult positions to try to divine what's going to happen in the NFL. And I, I don't just mean like with Tom Brady, I, you know, because he was a, a sixth-round draft choice. But, I mean, every single year something weird happens in the draft with a quarterback. Either the guy is picked first, second, third overall, and you wait and wait and wait and he never develops. And, and I think, and that's why I think that, you know, Kirk Cousins was picked exactly 100 choices after Robert Griffin III. And I think the truth can be told now. Mike Shanahan, who, who drafted him and he, when he went to Washington, on the day of the draft, Mike Shanahan personally liked Kirk Cousins better than Robert Griffin III. It's just a very weird science. I mean, it's going to be weird this year in the draft, I, you know, because there's... There's so many different types of quarterbacks coming out in the draft this year. And I know this wasn't your question, but one of the most frustrating things in 34 years covering the NFL is every year at this time of year, everybody who you run into who's trying to figure out the next wave of great quarterbacks in the NFL, and there are just so many minute parts of the discussion that you just simply can't tell right now. 100%. I, I've been banging on about this all week, and people are going to get bored on our show of hearing me talk about it. But the reason that I think that the offensive-defensive line conversation when it comes to the Eagles for the game is a little bit more moot than, than maybe suggested was because of what we saw against Jacksonville in the AFC Championship game in the second half from Matt Patricia. And just the coaching element, the adjustments that the Patriots make are better than anyone else. And I think Doug Peterson's done an amazing job this year, particularly down the stretch, particularly after losing an MVP-level quarterback. But first-time coaches in the Super Bowl, particularly against someone like Bill Belichick, have been shown to, to make mistakes and not adjust as quickly. And so that's where I think this is going to be won and lost. And that's why I think the Patriots, in a tighter game than maybe some expect, but I think they win it and they win it late like they've been doing recently. I think one of the things about these adjustments that we always talk about. You know, I was with Doug Peterson last week. Um, in uh, He lives in New Jersey, and, and I rode to work with him one day. And one of the things we were talking about is how, like, this is just my feeling about how, why some coaches succeed and why some don't. So Doug Peterson was mostly a backup quarterback in his career. And when you're a backup quarterback in your career, you observe a lot of things. You observe some of the things that are done right. You observe some of the things that are done wrong. And, it, and, and Frank Reich, the offensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles, was also a backup quarterback in his career. And that's one of the things that I think gives them a little bit of advantage in dealing with Nick Foles, 
who in the last few years has been mostly a backup quarterback. And I think one of the keys is when you look at this game, you know, put the quarterback (laughs) in position to engineer some long drives so you can keep the ball out of Tom Brady's hands. You know, limit Tom Brady's possessions. So I think that is going to be a huge part of their game plan. Uh, get long drives and make sure Tom Brady doesn't get on the field more than, let's say, eight times on Sunday. And, and they've been the best team in the NFL at doing that this year. They've, I think they lead the league in drives against. I think it's about 60, 64 plays against per game on average. So certainly they're the kind of built to do that, and then that's had the effect of keeping the defensive line fresh. And I think for the Eagles, that has to be the blueprint. Isn't it? Well... I think one of the things that you have to credit Howie Roseman, their general manager, for building this team, putting this team together. Very, very interesting, in my opinion. So not many people paid much attention when they signed Chris Long in the offseason as a backup defensive end. And I understand why people didn't pay a lot of attention to it, honestly, because essentially he was going to be like the sixth guy on their line. But... He showed last week in 31 plays that he played, 31 defensive snaps. He made four game-changing plays in that, in that game. And so when you play such a physical and arduous position like defensive end and you're getting beat up, you, you know, if you're a coach, what you want to say to your players in that thing is, give me everything you've got on every play. And when you're tired, we'll spell you. You can get a rest and then you can go back in. That's the way they do it with their defensive line, and that's why I, I, think, I think it's a very, very tough matchup for the Patriots. Really? I mean, I'm, I'm getting the feeling that, and I don't know whether this is because you get here and people want, to, a lot of people want to see the Eagles do it, but I get the feeling there's a lot of people who are swaying towards the Eagles at this point in the game. Well, I, you know, I, here's the way I felt. I covered the, uh, the Philadelphia-Minnesota game, and here's the way I felt leaving that game that day I was shocked the Eagles manhandled the Minnesota Vikings and I said this is going to be a very tough matchup for New England because New England uh, lets you know has let Brady get hit a lot okay so that's one part of it and it isn't just letting Brady get hit it is uh, this part of it's part of this matchup where when you see that on the edge the Patriots have been vulnerable to leaking around the edge and getting pressure around the edge, hey, last year, you know, Sebastian Vollmer, or I'm sorry, uh, 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 Nate Solder, Nate Solder yeah. really, you know, got, got kind of manhandled by, uh, by Dwight Freeney yeah. in that game. And this is, this is a huge game for Nate Solder. They're going to put a lot of I mean if if you if you if you see the way the Patriots play, Nate Solder's had a good year. There's a lot of pressure on him. That's a really good defensive line. So there's going to be pressure on the edges in this game and I think that's going to go a long way. But but be that as it may, I <coughs> I came here, nothing has changed. I'm going to pick New England, but I'm not going to sleep well Saturday night. Brilliant. I really enjoyed this, Peter. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. No problem. And do you know what? More than anything else, I'm really glad about how much you enjoyed your time in the UK. 
because uh, you oh, were, it was fantastic. You were so a, glowing about it, it, it on your podcast. What a day! What, what a day! What a what a few days that was. I I had such a fantastic time. You know, in part because everywhere we went, these these nuts were. I mean, they were they were they were these they were these fans. I mean, I thought I was dropped off in the middle of Dallas or something. Yeah. You know, they, these people know so much about what they did. What, and I'm trying to remember. I don't, I think we we're in Liverpool, and this guy stands up to ask a question. He's got a Baltimore Ravens jersey on, and he starts asking these draft this draft question. Hey, do you think this guy's going to be left? Do you think this is going to be you know and and I'm saying to myself, that's incredible. How do you know all this stuff? And afterwards, I talked to a bunch of them. And one of the things, and this guy came up, and he goes, Peter, you know, come on. I can read everything you can read. I have the Internet. And so, you know, it was just kind of cool to see. And it just it leads you to believe that, look, I've, I've been very bullish on it. And I know logistically it's going to be really, really hard. But I've I've really come over to the side of uh, there's a really good chance that there's going to be a franchise in England. And, and listen, we, it's, we get the question a lot when people come over to us about how has the game grown there? Why do you think the game has grown there? And, and I think part of it is bringing <coughs> competitive games over has been huge. People actually going to get out and watch football live has made a big difference and won a lot of new fans over. But a huge amount of it is to do with exactly what that, that young gentleman said to you, which is we live in a very different era where it isn't like the old days of the NFL where you had to wait a week to watch yeah, the highlights yeah, on yeah. or you had to listen to the game um, like, um, on full um, you have the capability you have the capability uh, in England to do something that a lot of people in America can't do which is to watch every game you know to yeah. watch any game you want to on yeah, Sunday well, and that's the funny part is you guys can watch all the Premier League games that we can <laughs> So the country that you're in, the sport, the main sport. That's kind of hilarious, isn't it? It's ridiculous. Yeah. It, yeah. it really is. But um, I remember Peter being surprised when he because I give you the the draft issue with the magazine. Oh my god, and, and it's insane! It, it was surprising that like we we do cover the draft. And he looked at the on the pod section and went, "That's one of the best written pieces ever." <laughs> no, I said, you know what was really interesting about that? I mean, I'm reading this thing because I'm not a draft nick. Okay, and I really start studying as the time goes on. You know, as you get closer to who, it. Who has time to do it with the with the NFL before we get to February? Who has time to really pay attention to both? I, think I it's mean, crazy. I, well, a lot of people do, but I, I, you know, I feel terrible for my wife. I, I mean, I like I need to have a life. <laughs> I just need to have a life, and so that's why. I mean, until I get to the scouting combine, you could name me 20 guys who are going to get picked in the first round, and I've probably heard of four of them. Because I just, on you know, look, a lot of people in America spend wake up Saturday morning, and they start watching college football, and they don't stop until they go to bed on Saturday night. I mean, I'm just telling you, if I if if somebody said you got to do that every Saturday, I, I would scream. I just would scream because that's what I do on Sunday. And so I can't imagine doing it two days in a row. And, I, you know, and, and again, but and, and I, I truly do like football a lot, but I just can't devote my entire waking, breathing life uh, to that. And that's to really know college football. That's really kind of what you would have to do. 
Peter King, it's been a real joy. Thank you for coming on and joining us. All right, man. Thank you. Let's do it and again hope to see. Hey, hey, I hope to see you over there sometime soon. Fingers I'm crossed. not going to come this year, but hopefully I'll come next year or the year after. I love going over there. Great. Thank you so Let much. Us know Thanks a lot, guys. He's a popular man. It's got to be said. DeMarcus <laughs> hey, Ware. what's up? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> Joining us now on Radio Row. Uh, DeMarcus, first of all, I'd like to apologize for you for the fact that we're doing this interview while I'm wearing sunglasses because it's so ridiculously you bright know what? in this you room. You didn't even bring me any sunglasses. What is the deal? I mean, I'd give you mine, but they're prescription. And <laughs> I mean, you'll see you're wearing <laughs> glasses water. yourself as well. <laughs> but hey, really? <laughs> the best we can offer you is water. Oh, yeah. Um, Super Bowl 50 champion DeMarcus Ware joining us on, uh, on Radio Row. Uh, and... Let's also mention member of the uh, uh, member of the UK media. We'd like to say now. Yeah, I had a great uh, time, man. He's yes. been over here uh, with us covering the game for Sky Sports and doing a couple of weeks out and getting a really, really good response. How did you enjoy your time uh, over in the UK? You know what, man? It, it was it was awesome, man. Just to go out there and experience everything, and, and it's different because in, different in a good way because I got to experience the culture. I mean, I went from you know the you know the big uh, Tom clock, right? You know, Big Ben clock. Went from the Parliament, went to, you know, London night. I mean, you name it, I was over there. But then I got to experience how football is related over there. And it's awesome to see how um, good it is, especially talking with, like, Ocean Humanior with uh, NFL UK. Um, it's just really, really good to um, experience something that's different. And it was, a, it was a really big experience for me. Great, and it sounds like a positive one as well, that, which is which is obviously awesome. Yes. Now, I mentioned Super Bowl 50 winner, but I think more importantly to this weekend, you were in the last team to beat the New England Patriots in the playoffs. How did you do it? The, the main thing for us, we put the pressure on Brady the whole 60 minutes. you got to be able to put pressure on Brady. you got to have good you know, cover guys for 60 minutes. He still almost beat us with two, sec two minutes left in the game. And uh, you got to be able to close games out. You can see when they played against, you know, the last two teams, they won the last two minutes of the football game. If you don't, uh, if you don't put the pedal to the middle of the whole football game, you don't, you don't stand a chance because they're like they're robotic. They're going to play for 60 minutes. The, the the Eagles obviously have a very talented defense, but you guys were insanely talented front to back. In that, that your secondary was better than the Eagles' secondary. How do you think they match up? I think I think the matchups are going to be you know really good and yeah I think the the main their front four Philadelphia Eagles front four and you talk about the Patriots offensive line there's no matchup their front four can actually play well they can just rush with four they don't have to blitz and they can have more cover guys in the backfield and that's how they can win this football game and then they got you know Jay Ajayi they got you know blunt guys that can you know keep the chains moving run the clock off because sometimes the best offense is just keeping Brady off the field you don't have to score a lot of points and if you can do that which they've been doing well the last two games they, they can win and the Eagles have I think faced the least amount of offensive players per game in the NFL this season and that kind of comes into what you say so do you see them as being equipped to do that to keep Brady off the field long drives on offense and then kind of let those pass rushers they, they have no they have no choice <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they have no choice but to, to figure out you know how they're going to win this football game and it's going to have to be a strategy it's not about you know who's going to be the best performer it's who's going to have the best strategy in this game because that's the game that the, the, the Patriots they play so they're going to have to run the football well keep Brady off the field defensively when Brady is out there don't let them convert on third down get him off of the football field and they gotta apply pressure to him all the time not just a sack but just being in his face and let him know that they're there 
when you came into to the Broncos, obviously t- towards the end of your career after your time with the Cowboys, and it meant that you were going to have to face the Patriots in the playoffs and right. the team who had been there. You know, it's now eight times in 16 years. Uh, when you do finally beat that team, I know that they're kind of the big bad for non-Patriots fans. Right. Is it the same as players? Is that is there that extra little bit of incentive because of how successful they've been? It's it's an incentive because they're, they're a team that no matter what, the time keeps going. And, and the time keeps going and it trickles all the way to 12 o'clock. That 12 jersey to Brady every single time. So if you can figure out how to beat him, how to beat him and Bill Belichick and their scheme. That means we won the chess match. They don't lose too many chess matches, right? But if you can beat them, you know that, you know what? We beat the top dog. We beat the top dog. And, and you mentioned the, the chess match with Belichick. As a guy who's played against him, a, a lot of teams often say they like to play the Patriots early in the season because it exposes the flaws in their own team. Do you see that on the field? Do you, do you kind of see how he strategically moves the pieces around and does it make you look at yourself when you play a Bill Belichick team? When you play um, Bill Belichick you're going to probably get the first 14 plays and you're going to know what they're going to do. If you don't stop one of those plays they're going to, that's going to be in their arsenal for sure. You're going to see that again. So the main thing is if you can withstand the wave of those 14 plays you'll know exactly what they're trying to do, what personnel they're going to have because you got to prepare for everything. you got to prepare on special teams, defense, offense, because they're going to bring type of 14 type plays or, you know, 10 to 15 plays where, you know what, this is their staple and they're trying to see what you don't do well and then they're going to go from there. And they, they always change at halftime. You probably notice at halftime when they go back out third and fourth quarter, you're like, this is a different team. No, it's the same team. They just prepare and they change. That's what championship teams do. And that was the difference, I thought, against the, the Jags in the second half. And it's the difference every time the Patriots play, like you say. But when you're a front guy and then you're just not getting to the quarterback, you're not getting the pressure there, it isn't working, whether it's the offensive line, the scheme or whatever, and then the coach comes in and says, right, we're going to start blitzing the safeties. We're going to start blitzing. We're going to start bringing more guys. Start? Yeah, because that's what they did in the second half against the Jags, and they just went, right, we're going to bring more guys off the edge. We're going to bring the defensive backs up, and we're going to get after Blake Bortles. As a defensive guy, do you get to rub your hands then and go, excellent, because I'm going to get some mismatches here? You know, the thing is, when you bring extra guys, especially if you're just used to a four-man rush or a three-man rush like the Patriots do, and then you start bringing extra guys, it's like, okay, I get a one-on-one now. I don't get doubled anymore. And you start licking your chops. It's like you were just doing with your hands. <laughs> you start licking your chops because now you might get a running back or a tight end or just a tackle and you can beat them. And then, you know what, the sky's the limit from there. Just a final question. How do you say the game going? I think uh, if the Philadelphia Eagles play like they should play and they're focused and they play for 60 minutes, I say it'll be Philadelphia Eagles uh, 17 to 14. Must be hard as a long time (laughs) cowboy to say that. (laughs) Uh, DeMarcus Ware, real pleasure to catch up. Follow him on Twitter at DeMarcus Ware, and you can catch him on NFL Network Super Bowl Live. It's at 6 p.m. UK time throughout the week. DeMarcus, thanks so much for your time, man. Thanks, man. I'm not going to lie. I am. Uh, I'm incredibly excited about this. I'm going to tell you early, Charles. I'm a San Francisco 49ers fan, and yeah, exactly. I got a little fist bump then as well. It's radio, so I've got to tell them. Sure, yeah. uh, we understand. We're being joined by five-time Super Bowl winner Charles Haley and a member of the Hundred Sack Club as well. It shouldn't be ignored, and a member of the, of, of the Road Warriors as well. BJ Gannam, guys, how are you doing today? Doing well. Hey guys, thank you so much for having us. 
You uh, forgot he's also in the Hall of Fame. Oh, he that's is. Big, he is in the Hall of Fame. Twenty. Yeah, well, Great speech too. If he was give all my accolades, he'd be yeah, here all be day, dog. You know. Okay. You know well, they we can edit it. That's all right. It's my head, sure. my head is shaped like a bullet because I'm a big shot. So don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I genuinely uh, would sit here and do it, but we wouldn't get any time to talk to you guys. So, that's true. Right. Well, um, what are you guys down doing on Radio Row here in Minneapolis? Well, I'm I'm down here for Blue Buffalo. You know. Um, I'm trying to get the guys to give a brother a little dog food, you know. My dog's been on news forever, so you know, um, um, you know, I just want to represent a strong company um, that my dogs really love, because my dogs are um, is more important. They're just my kids, so um, <laughs> I want them to have the best. Yeah, yeah. And they're a big sponsor of the Wounded Warrior MT football team, uh, them and Humana. And they made this all possible, and then uh, a lot of the proceeds are going to Sierra Delta, which is a nonprofit that works to help get veterans service dogs, public access and emotional therapy dogs, because, man, these dogs are very important to us, especially in the transition. Yeah. And then, are you guys, are you, are you're the captain of the team, right? Yes, sir. BJ, are you playing, because you normally play a game in Super Bowl week, uh, am I right in saying that? Or oh, there was last year, certainly. Yeah, that's right. So, this is my sixth Super Bowl. See, I'm, I'm almost caught up to you. Oh, man. <laughs> but you ain't winning nothing, though. No, yeah. I won them How all. Many game? How many games have you won? <laughs> all of them. You did? 17. Oh, I haven't lost yet. That's what I'm saying, Dan. I like being around winners. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now, what are y'all two guys? Are y'all winners? Uh, I like to think so. Uh, oh, just look at this. Oh, <laughs> you what? Just look at this. Hey, man, hey, don't ever look in the mirror, dog. I'm telling you. <laughs> he's, well, he's, he's in the right industry, right? Yeah, he is, dog. Oh, wow, wow. I'd like to put out so a little at Matt Sherry, not at me. <laughs> be really, really clear about that. Um, <laughs> uh, Charles, uh, from for, you've got a really unique perspective on this because you've been there as a first-time Guy with San Francisco, and you've been there in a, in a new locker room when you went to, to Dallas and, and taking a team there with a lot of guys who won't have, have been before. How big is it for the Philadelphia Eagles for this weekend? Guys like Chris Long, LeGarrette Blunt, who have come into their locker room and can tell people what it's like to go there to win it and how to react. Because I think, am I right saying you're Chris Long and LeGarrette Blunt, if they do it, they would join you as one of very few players to have won it back-to-back -back with different teams? Well, I, I'm going to tell you a secret. You you don't tell anybody anything. You tell them what you did. You don't tell them what to do because the moment you start telling them, they they cut you off. But you say, hey, you know what? We, we, we practiced hard. Um, we didn't go out drinking all the time. We took care of our bodies. Uh, that's what we did. Now, you give them the option of buying in and and that's, that's the biggest difference is, is that Philly only got a, few, a couple guys that might have been there where New England's whole, most of their team has been there. So um, leadership on the sideline is the key, um, keeping players calm. Uh, and that, that's one of the biggest keys to the game. Uh, and then in terms of the pass rush for these teams, because... It's been a lot of talk about the trenches. There's been a lot of talk about the adjustments, particularly for the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, this is a game we're going to see some nice attritional football, some nice battles in the trenches, and, and that's the kind of football we want to see. From what you've seen of these teams, particularly the Philadelphia Eagles defensive line, how exciting is that as a, as a former player to see what they're doing? Well, you know what? Um, they are, they're playing really good football right now on the defensive line, linebackers, and in the back. Um, the, the, the things that um, that assets, that tools are, is is 
wide receivers, the tight end, and the running back. All foes got to do is just control the game and not throw interceptions. And um, I think they got a really, really great chance of um, it happening because New England has not um, met a balanced team like that. And, um, and so um, it should show itself. But, you know, Nick Foles is the key. How, like, obviously, Bill Belichick, we feel, is the key on the other side, that, that coaching pedigree. We've had a couple of players on, former players of his, who have told us that he's all about kind of negative reinforcement. It's all about finding the mistakes and, and, and getting them out there. What was Bill Walsh like as a guy who had been there, done it, and had to go and win it again? How did he keep motivating the team year on year? <laughs> hey, Bill Walsh. Um, um, the greatest coach I ever had, man. Hey, he told us it's just a game. It's just a game. It's just like a, like a regular season game, the first game of the year. He said, that's all it is. He said, um, if you go out and play with that same tenacity that you played the first game with, hey, we ain't going to have no problem. And um, and then, you know, he would get up there and, you know, he was a, he boxed in the Marine and the um, Navy and um, he would get up there and start boxing and start talking about Muhammad Ali, how um, a boxer come in and he think he won the first round, maybe he won the second round. Hey, and then he said third or fourth round, he get knocked out. So he was saying, you know, the ebbs and flows of the game, but at the end, we're going to win. And, hey, that, you know, that's the kind of philosophy he is. He's not one that's going to try to beat you down. He's never did that before, and he, he wouldn't allow his coaching staff to do it either. As, how, as a player, and you are the perfect guy to ask Evan Wood five of these things, how do you, obviously, Bill Walsh said it's just a game. How do you get that in your head that it is just a game? How do you prepare, and, and just how is that whole experience? Um, for me, I, hey, I tried to... Um, Every week, I learned every proposition on every play. I kept everything simple. I knew, I knew everything so that if guys get confused, I could tell them. Uh, because you know, you got to pick your brother up. So, um, and and I, we had leadership. You know, Ronnie Lott was back there. You know, hey, he ain't taking, hey, dog, he ain't taking no prisoner, whether you whether you on his team or not. <laughs> and um, you know, that kind of that kind of, um, I looked up to him. And a kid that was eight years old impacted my life more than anything. He walked up to Ronnie Lott and he said, what makes you great? He said, I play without fear. Hey, after I learned that, I'm good. And um, what you got to do is, is everybody feeds off of each other. And, 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 and that's the key to success is it's, it's a chain link fence. Hey, it's we. The moment people talking about I, that's when, you know, the team is fractured. And how much pride do you look back on the fact that you obviously won in San Francisco and then it seemed almost like you were then the missing piece in Dallas and then when you got there, suddenly Dallas was beating San Francisco. How much pride do you take in that and winning for two different teams? Well, um, um, the thing that, um, the thing that we, we, you know, you look at is, is that... Um, um, I, I was playing with the best team in the '80s, and um, and I got on a little, little um, scrimmage with George Seifert, and uh, they sent me to Dallas. You know, and and as, as I'm walking through things in my head, 
I'm going like, God, man, you know, what have I done? And so, but, um, but Jerry Jones, you know, Jerry Jones met me at the airport and, and um, he was instrumental in calming me down because he said he had my back. And then the second thing is, hey, I've never seen that much talent amassed at any level. Not college, not high school, and damn sure not the pros. They are, they had so much talent. And, and, uh, and the key was, for me, is I got a chance um, to rejuvenate my career because I was around all these young guys that pushed me to be great. Are you particularly conflicted this weekend? As a, that was going to be my question. As a former cowboy, <laughs> the Eagles are on one side, but also if Tom Brady wins, then suddenly he's got six and you guys aren't level at the top of the tree anymore. Who do you want to win? Hey, you know what? Um, if Philly wins, um, kick kudos. If Brady wins, it's kudos. But always remember, there will always be an asterisk by my name because I did it first. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> now, wait. Now, who's, who's the right, root UK right. rooting for? Uh, I'm a Patriots I, fan, I think so. the, 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 the Patriots are big in the UK in a big okay. way, but they are like the uh, – I don't know if you're a soccer fan, but we have Man United. Yeah, right. That consistently performing winning team yeah. means that a lot of people hate them as well. Sure. So you've, you've got a real divide. You've got the people who are rooting for the Patriots because they're their team, and you've got the people who are rooting for whoever the Patriots are facing. You know, it was so ironic just sitting here because I was thinking the Constitution was written in Philly. You know, the Patriots are the ones that beat Britain's army. <laughs> you know, so is there any conflict there? It always amazed me that people are New England Patriots fans for that very reason. <laughs> but, you know, who are we to look back at the 1800s with the reason of who we support? Hey, guys, y'all talking over my head now because my vocabulary is very limited. So oh, now sorry, you know yeah. what? But no, but I do, I do work with a lot of UK uh, wounded, wounded vets, and I serve with them in Iraq. And I just say you guys have got, uh, I mean, the, the programs you guys got going over to UK, rally with us and some of the best people ever served with you know where, where can people guys find out more information about the great work you guys are doing well thank you so much i, I um you know um being part of the wounded warriors is, is um it's something that i cherish um i got a chance um a few years ago to go down doing a bike ride with those guys now you got guys with no arms and no legs riding bicycles it's some it's it's incredible to watch and um and they don't they don't moan about it they just they take it in stride and keep moving and um for me that's the greatest thing they 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 inspire me because every time i want to whine or cry about um my back i think about these guys yeah. and then guess what i stop whining yeah absolutely I think we yeah, should, we could awesome. all awesome. yeah but you go to ww um We'll get it out there, yeah, don't yeah, you worry. Perfect. Guys, there we go. thank you so much for thank your time. You. Charles okay. and BJ, and have a great time here at Radio Road. No problem, brother. Can you just give me a quick level? One, two, microphone check. One, two, one, Beautiful. two, microphone check. So, the last time we spoke with Terrell Davis was back in London, probably about three years ago now when you came over with the network. Yes. Since then, he's gone and earned himself a rather sparkly new gold jacket that he is sporting right now. So, first of all, congratulations. Uh, Thank you very much. How's year one of being a Hall of Famer? Uh, it's been great. It's been awesome. You know, you walk around here, you have this jacket on, and people may not know what, um, what a lot of jackets look like and what they mean but this one it certainly has a, a reputation i have a real bugbear on radio row about people who wear 
beigey goldy suit jackets yeah. who aren't Hall of Famers. I'm like, because I see someone, I go, oh, who's it that? It walk throws over, you like, off a little bit. No, it's just some PR guy. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> you can't wear that color. You're they're throwing me off. They definitely do it on purpose as well. 100%. Yeah. They just want the attention. Question. Definitely, definitely. Um, Didi, what are you doing out here? How have you been enjoying Minneapolis so far? I got in last night. Oh. Yeah, I got in last night around 7 o'clock, and then I had to be up at 3.45 today. Uh, or this morning, so I just got in and stayed in my room, ordered up room service, and went to bed. Um, I'm not, I'm not concerned with the cold like everybody else is. I, I'm okay with the cold. It's easy, isn't it? Yeah, P- it's easy. Peter King said to us earlier, when people tune in for the game on Sunday afternoon, they're not going to care that some journalists and some no. former players were cold. No, they don't care about. He it. said just journalists. I just wanted to make sure. Um, let's talk running backs just, just briefly in this game. Um, Dion Lewis, to me, is the most underrated running back in the NFL. What do you see in his game, and, and do you think he could have a big game this week? He can have a big game. Dion Lewis is that guy that you kind of forget about him because they do have so many, you know, so many players to go to. I always say that the Patriots, they have the equal opportunity uh, employers, right? Brady's not passing up a pass to Dion Lewis, James White, Rex Burkhead. Uh, whoever it is, if it's Mike Gillisley, if he comes in, they're running backs. I think they're only second to the, the trio down in New Orleans when it comes to receptions and receiving yards. So they're going to their backs a lot. And it, it depends on what game it is. I mean, one, one game is Deion Lewis, who's the focal point. One game is James White. Uh, one thing you do know as a running back there, you better be ready for whatever, you know, your name is called. I can't believe that as a British radio station, it's because you're a Patriots fan, and I'm going to put that out there now, that you've gone with the first running back you're talking about is Dion Lewis. I think he's the best running back in this game. He might See, well be, but, but I, he's not born in London. But I, but I like that. I, I like that because, you know, who, you can talk about you know, Tom Brady all day long, but X-Factors and who's going to impact this game, I think you have to start looking at some guys that you probably wouldn't think of, yeah. right? I mean, last year, for example, did you think James White would have been, like, the MVP of the game? Probably not. not. Probably not, to be fair. No. But on the other side, and it's not, you know, similar to the teams that you ran with in Denver, strong line, big running game. They've got a couple of backs back there, the Philadelphia Eagles, and they're going to try and control that time of game. And I, I don't know if you're aware, but everyone in the UK is aware that Jay Ajayi is born in London. Yeah. He's a British guy. Yeah. So what do you make of Jay Ajayi's game and, and what kind of impact he can have this weekend? I like Jay. I like, I've always liked Jay, man. I, 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 love, I love his personality, man. Um, he's, you know, he, obviously he has, he's a mix between speed and power. You know, he came from Miami and uh, sort of uh, came into the fold and really seamlessly has not really been an issue, has played well. They don't, they don't lean on one back a lot, which is, which is okay because you can get some good production from Jay Ajayi. You know, you still got Blunt there. You got Corey Clement. They have some backs that they sort of like. They, they, almost like, like New England. You yeah. know, they, they kind of rotate the backs a little bit to fit what they're trying to do. But um, but Jay's faster than people think he is. So once, he's, once he gets going. Yeah, w- once yeah once he's, he gets going. So. so you're saying we're going to see nobody get 150 yards and three touchdowns this weekend. That's what you're saying. I, I don't want that to happen, no. <laughs> I, 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 I want to protect my three rushing touchdowns. That's... <laughs> That's that's great because I think last year they showed it again on on the you know like the, the little graph, like hey no no other you know running backs to score three touchdowns. White did it last year, but he had, I think one, one was a receiving, receiving touchdown. Yeah. yeah. 
Are you clicking onto that? I am. That's it. I'm clinging onto that. It feels a little bit like clutching at a straw, maybe. I I'm am. not going to lie. TD. And, and, and wait like a minute. And, and, and the Super Bowl MVP. There hasn't been one since me. So, you know, no running back Super Bowl MVP. So I want to make sure that doesn't happen either. God, is is yeah. there anything this guy hasn't done? Wearing the jacket. He's got I'm his just, Super Bowl hey, ring on. I got to hold on to something, you know. Where can people catch you this week on, on NFL Network? And where, and, and where are you going to be? Where are you going to be showing your face and getting the, get, making sure that you're pushing the idea that you're the only guy with three touchdowns <laughs> in, a, in a Super Bowl? Every day, NFL Network, pretty much from noon until 6 o'clock. There's a couple of shows we have. We have NFL um, you know, uh, Live. We got Players Only. We have Super Bowl Experience, all this stuff that we have. So just kind of look for your, your – uh, just turn on the NFL Network every single day and you should see my mug. Hey. And I'll and be drilling in that I have three touchdowns and the last running back to win <laughs> Super Bowl MVP. Who's going to win this weekend? Right now I'm going with New England. That's early in the week, and I'll, I'll, I'll make my final pick before the game. But New England right now. Beautiful stuff. TD, yeah. thank you for your time, man. Thank you. What I particularly love uh, about what's just happened is that uh, Ricardo Lockett has come and sat with us at Radio Row and immediately put on Nat Coombs baller super expensive headphones yeah. instead of the ones we've been given to everyone else because he just knew he, he, I know he looked at it and went those are the ones I'm using yeah, yeah. no doubt no doubt <laughs> uh, Ricardo Lockett Super Bowl champion with the Seattle Seahawks uh, joining us now on uh, Radio Row uh, Ricardo, how are you doing, man? How are you enjoying Minneapolis? I'm doing great, man. I get a chance to talk to you guys, man. I get a chance to talk to you guys and talk about what we're doing with, with the Harvard study and making football better, and we're enjoying the Super Bowl. Where, where else would we rather be right now? Steve, you've done two of them as a player. What's it like? Three of them as a player. Sorry. Oh, my God, he has done three of them as a player. <laughs> this is the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened. I'm off. I'll see you later. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, just, I don't even know where to go from there. Uh, you did three of them as a player. How, how different is it coming here now and, and uh, doing stuff now that you, you finished playing? I was just talking about that because uh, a lot of the guys that are playing, like Alshon, LeGarrett, uh, Malcolm Butler, I played with all these guys. So now it's like shaking their hands and uh, they see me walking around with like a press pass and doing interviews and asking them questions with my cell phone and stuff. So it's a little different. It's a little different, but um, I think it's something I can get I can get adjust it to and uh, make the best of. How tight is your grip when you shake Malcolm Butler's hand? <laughs> I told you this was going to be the best one yet. Right, right. <laughs> Malcolm Butler, he's a, he's a cool guy. You know what? The next year, uh, we actually went out. Uh, we had a good time. We went out and partied together. We took the same Uber and we sat in the same section. And, you know, he's a great guy. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's just a game. And, uh, he, he had dreams of winning the Super Bowl just like I had dreams of winning the Super Bowl. So uh, he made a great play and he came out victorious. But, you know, once the, once the game's over, it's over. You know, we enjoy it. Not surprised they shared an Uber. Malcolm Butler has no issue getting tight on this guy. That's Absolutely. the point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't worry, you won one as well. So right, it's, right, it's right, fine. Right. You've still got that ring. No doubt. <laughs> on no your doubt. finger. Uh, what, for the players, for the guy who's been back three times and, and done it, you say those guys that you've spoken to, have you spoke to... I mean, LeGarrette's been in here and done it himself, but someone like Alshon, what advice do you give him to how to treat this week, how to react to this week, and, and the different pressures to this game compared with any other? Uh, well, first of all, you, you, you approach it just like every game. You approach it just like it's a regular game because once you come in with the, uh, with the, with the mind frame that this is something different, then you start to play different, and that's not what got you here. You do, you do what got you here. Uh, so I think the team that settles in first and the ones that, 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 doesn't make, that makes the least mistakes is the one that's going to be victorious because 
a lot the Patriots what they have over a lot of people's experience last year the Falcons went down and they got excited the Patriots stayed the same they stayed mellow the whole way through so the Eagles could come out with the excitement and all oh, this is our first time being here a lot of guys but they're gonna stay mellow they're gonna play 60 minutes so if they can get into that, we're going to play 60 minutes early, I think they have a better chance of beating the Patriots. How, how obviously, had very contrasting experiences with, with the Super Bowls, particularly the close ones at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm thinking on kind of that last drive of, of, the, of the Seattle Patriots one. Is it just another game at that point? Or are you, are you able to compartmentalise it when it's coming down to the final drive right at the end of the game? I have to say no. Uh, it's all on the line. You know, uh, you grew up in the yard, you know, all right. Uh, you know, you pick teams and like, oh, this is this is the last play. This is the Super Bowl winning catch. Like, you know, you grow up doing that. And then, you know, when, when it becomes real, it's kind of hard for me to say, uh, just approach it like a regular because it's not. Uh, and losing that, I think I think I think it, it, it changed me in a, in a good way. I think it, I think if I would have won, I think it might have added a little arrogance to me. But you know, thank God for that didn't happen. <laughs> and that was such a roller coaster as well, because yeah. on that drive you were ahead. They came back on that drive. You had the ridiculous curse catch as well. And yeah, I was in the auxiliary press box, which is where you're out in the seats amongst the fans, and you've got it happening right in front of us uh -huh. and normally the press box is this very civilized yeah. people are working place i say when that catch happened everyone is out of their seat and losing it and then when obviously the play that we shall not be mentioned happened uh you know everyone again out of their seats and it was those moments of drama that really dragged people back into the game and i just i don't know how as a player you could just handle that emotional roller coaster when you're involved in it i just lose my mind i really would right so so okay so tell me this so you have a family right I, uh, I have a wife, yeah. Okay. So, um... I know it's a surprise. Don't okay. be that shocked. So, so, <laughs> so, guess what? So, you, so you, you lose your house. Your wife depends on you. What do you do? I, I go out and I make sure that I provide for my wife. That's oh, what actually, we do. Actually, she provides You lose me. the game and you keep working. <laughs> you lose the game and you, and you don't cry over spilled milk. There's nothing you could do about it. So, things... You, you have to understand that things you can't control, you can't let worry you. And, you, and you, you try to be best at the things that you can control. So when the year comes next year, you look forward to that opportunity again, which I didn't get. And uh, I never got it. So that's just something I got to live with. That, I think not getting back and not getting that chance to do it again was worse than losing it. Because I always felt like I could push myself and I could push my team and we could push each other to get back to get another chance to make it better. So like you lost the house, um, you always think that I can work to get another house. But what if you don't ever get another house? That's how I feel. How much fun was the was the Denver Super Bowl though? Because you guys were the Denver Super Bowl. Was I mean, you, you're so ahead so early. You know, you've won the game. I mean, it was it must have been pretty awesome just experience. That, that. First, the first play of the game. You remember when the snap yeah, went over yeah, uh, yeah, Peyton yeah. Manning's head? That, that was, was the first Super Bowl I, I was at. Yeah, we we was like, okay, let's go, let's go. And then the nail in the coffin was when Percy ran that yeah. kickoff back. In the when second he ran half. that back. That's when I was like, wow, this is it. This is Just it. crown us now. Yeah, we just won the Super Bowl, man. That was huge. But, but like I was telling Herm uh, in, in the car, but that, that wasn't, I, I didn't feel like that was like the pinnacle of my happiness. So I think there's a lot of things that I want to do, and uh, that's another reason why I'm working with the Harvard Study Group, uh, because we, we want to we better the life of the guys that, that are already retired, and we want to make sure the guys that are playing now are uh, 
put in the best position to uh, live their best life after football. So what, talk, talk to us about the, the Harvard study group and, and what exactly that, that involves and, and what it is you're working towards. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm Herman Taylor. I'm a cardiologist and I work with the study. And the uh, first thing that's maybe different from some studies that um, you're familiar with is that I'm a heart doctor. Um, we're very interested in concussions and brain health, but we also look at the whole player, whole life. That's our thing. So we, we look at um, a lot of issues that players, and it's the players themselves who help us prioritize what we study. Um, we look at uh, issues that they are having after the game. Sleep apnea, uh, heart problems, uh, chronic pain, even, even psychological issues. All of these things are being uh, investigated and data gathered by the best brains at Harvard and some collaborators uh, outside of Harvard, um, like Morehouse School of Medicine all of us working together for the benefit of the players. Um, it's, uh, it's unique in that the players have a lot of influence Brilliant. on what we actually study. The key thing that, I, and the message I want to get out to any players or wives of players, family players that, that may be listening, is that the more people that sign up for the study, the stronger the results will be, more conclusive, more definitive, and more helpful. So far, 3,800 players have enrolled, making it the largest study of former players ever, wow. and but we're looking to up that number as much as possible. And we really do want young players as well as the guys who've been out for a while. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've got um, a good response from the older groups. We want to get an equally good response from the younger groups. Amazing yeah. stuff. And where can people find out more about it if they want to? Well, um, the best thing to do, probably the simplest thing, because people don't have pens of writing stuff down, just uh, go online, Google Harvard Football Player Study. And it'll take it to the website. It's a beautiful website, very informative. Perfect, Fantastic. perfect. Um, I need to ask you, Ricardo, about this game this weekend. And you talked about that first Super Bowl, and you talked about there was that very much that feeling, uh, certainly from the outside, and you can tell us it was the same from inside, of us versus them from that Seattle locker room. It seems like Pete Carroll really bred that into the team. No one believes in us. No. Now you've got in the Philadelphia Eagles, home underdogs as the number one seed in back-to-back -back playoff games and winning them. The fans are wearing the dog masks. They really seem to be pushing that same kind of that same kind of agenda. How big was that for you guys in terms of unity in your locker room? Huge, huge. Um, so our, our team is built up, built built by uh, a lot of undrafted guys and a lot of guys that uh, like Bruce Irvin that's been through adversity and not your typical, you know, um, Stanford uh, Ivy League grads. You know, a lot. Some of them been to jail. Some of them been cut from different teams. So, Coach Carroll said, uh, "This is an opportunity that you guys been waiting on your whole life." He said. Uh, this is your chance to go out and prove the world wrong. He said, some of you guys weren't drafted. You weren't good enough. Some of you guys uh, didn't go to Division I schools. They said you weren't good enough. A lot of you guys, um, the other 31 teams looked over. You weren't good enough. But now you're in the Super Bowl, and you get a chance to face one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, Peyton Manning. What are you going to do? And he walked out of the room. That was it. That was it. He walked out. That's the pregame speech to the Super Bowl that we won. Awesome. Verbatim. It's a great, it's a great speech. Mm -hmm. uh, so is that the way that the Eagles, maybe not quite that succinct of a speech from Doug Peterson, but is it that idea of them being the underdogs that they can use that in order to inspire them? Because there's no doubt that, and we see it constantly, that teams almost, when they're playing ahead of the Patriots, mm -hmm. suddenly get fear in them because they know 
how good they are at coming back, how consistent they are, how steady they always are, and kind of go within themselves. And the, fan, the fans up. get fear, not players. The players just lose. They just, they just make mistakes. They're not afraid because it's, it's man on man. And the, the mentality to even make it to, to the NFL and the mentality to make it through the playoffs and the mentality to make it through the Super Bowl with that great group of guys, there's no fear because you feel like you've conquered so much from training camp all the way to this point that anything is possible. So even if we get down or whatever, you've been down before during the year. So there's no fear. It's just... You just have to do things right, and the Patriots are really good at, at being fundamentally sound. We didn't get a chance to talk about this current Seahawks team, which was an absolute atrocity, considering that A, they're coming to London next year, yep. and B, there is a lot of change happening right now. So at some point, Ricardo, we're going to have to get your details. We're going to have to get you on over the off-season and talk mm -hmm. some Seahawks as For well. Sure. And keep talking and promoting the Harvard study as well. For sure, and I'd love to come out to London. Anytime you have me in the Harvard study, we'll be glad to come out. Um, Ricardo, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thank man. you. Go Hawks.